you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church. Such a joy to see everybody this evening and people who have come from near and far. And nice to see uh, that you all are here on time and thank you. It's going to be a wonderful evening and, and such a joy and a privilege to come together and to enter into another year in the house of God, isn't it? With brothers and sisters in Christ. As we reflect back on uh, the year 2022, there are many things that we need to be thankful to God for. You know, I'm thinking about 2022. On a good note, we can think about the COVID relief to some degree. It may pop up again, but at least it is relieved now. And we had a marriage seminar here. It well attended. We had the baptismal service of four people getting baptized. And we had the festival of carols for the first time. We sang in 13 different languages in this sanctuary. It was such a beautiful evening. And we had both these, uh, the, the, the units coming together, and we had great discipleship programs here in the church. And there are many things, and I know that some of you have mentioned some as uh, the opportunity arose earlier on. But on a sad note, we experienced loss. Loss of loved ones and passing away of Sister Sally and uh, Brother Herm's dear wife, an untimely death of Sairi Willis. And even last evening when the little Chris was to rushed to the hospital, who expected those things to happen? And death of close relatives of our church families. But here's the burdensome thought. When we entered into year 2022, a year ago, none of us anticipated these things to come. It was beyond our control, beyond our, our, our imagination. Church, aren't we just like pilgrims journeying through life, surfing uncharted territory, which we had never known before, not knowing what to expect? So when I present it that way, what comes to your mind? Aren't we just like the Israelites being led through the wilderness, a pathway, undefined, unknown, uncharted, yet called by God? Called by God. For the Israelites, the only source of hope and comfort was that there was a leader, Moses, a leader called by God. They followed him, not trusting in Moses, but in the one who sent Moses. And for they, because they have tasted the love of this God, Yahweh, during their release from the bondage in Egypt. The scripture says that all of us here are just like the Israelites. We are pilgrims in this world. Look at this passage of scripture, Apostle Peter writes so beautifully, Beloved, 
I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. They call, Peter addresses us as pilgrims, as pilgrims. The Hebrew writer even puts it more candidly, saying that in this life, this is just a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith. Look at this passage of scripture here. These all died in faith, talking about their trust in God, not having received the promises, meaning about their disappointment in their own lives, but having seen them afar off, assured of them about their unwavering faith, embraced them and confessed about their commitment to the Lord, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That is what we are called to do. Place yourself in the position of the saints for a moment. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob ever possessed the promised land. It was promised, but they never possessed the promised land. In fact, it was almost 500 years after Jacob died that the Israelites first began to possess Canaan. So for these men, it's through faith, God's promise is as good as the reality. For these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his promise of the glory ahead was an encouraging and certain to the patriarchs as actually possessing it could have been. They only had the promise, yet they walked on it, they pastured their flocks on it, they raised their children on it, but they were not impatient to possess it. For they knew they were strangers and pilgrims. They all knew they were passing through to a better place. Now David, who was the king, had all that he needed, and we know the life of David, but yet this is what he declared. One thing I ask from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. That is one thing that David desired. He had the palace. He had people working for him, but yet his desire was that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. The patriarchs honored God and honor, God honored them. Nothing honors God but the life of faith. So as we enter into 2023... I'm encouraging us to enter with that faith and confidence in Him. Church, knowing that He who called us is faithful. May we travel on this journey with that eternity in mind. May we see through the eyes of faith, just like the patriarchs did, what the Lord has promised for His children. May we walk with confidence and courage. So you ask, me, pastor, as pilgrims of this world, where do we draw this confidence from? Where do we draw this confidence from? 
In response to this question, I wish to take some time to reflect on a great psalm. And we'll be reflecting on the Psalm 121, which was read to you just a short while ago. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open to Psalm 121. And I really pray that this psalm will, be, will help you as you enter into this uncharted, unknown territory of 2023. So Psalm 121 is most commonly understood as a liturgy of blessing for one about to leave on a journey. It is also known as a, as a psalm for sojourners or traveler's psalm. The Psalm 21 is a psalm about trusting in God's providential care. That's what Psalm 121 is all about. In fact, many families read this psalm out loud together before going on trips. We as a family, when the children were growing up, we read that every time before we leave the house. Psalm 121. A devout Jews recite portions of this psalm when they leave or enter their homes. They attach a small cylinder called mezuzah with some scriptures in it to their right door frame and whenever they leave and enter their home, they touch the mezuzah and recite Psalm 121 verses 5 and 8. It goes like this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So Psalm 121 announces the worshippers' confidence in God to watch over Israel and shelter his people from all harm. Psalm 121 actually teaches us three big truths about God's help and care. So as pilgrims, I want us to pick those three truths today. And I pray that these truths will become so real in your life that you can apply it as you encounter uncertainties in 2023. So the first truth is found in verses 1 and 2. Let's read that again. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So verses 1 and 2, we see that these verses speak of the source of our hope. Where do we get the hope from? I know that many times we are depending on people. We are depending on our employment. We are depending on, our, on the wealth that we have. But as pilgrims, we are going to look at what is our source of hope. Is it the money? Is it the vehicle? Is it the houses? Is it the families? Let me expand on this. The scripture says very clearly, church, don't be surprised, because it says very clearly that on this journey of life, we will face tribulations. Everybody say the word tribulations. Tribulations. Especially those who want to live a godly life. Apostle Paul writes it, very clearly, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. Who is Paul talking to? Paul is talking to the believers, to you and to me. 
And if you want to live a godly life, which we are called to do, we will be persecuted. We will face trials. We will encounter adversaries. Apostle John writes, quoting the warning from the Lord himself, listen to this, what Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Actually, church, when you look at this verse, this actually refutes the prosperity teaching. Right? That's what it is doing. Some may think that following Christ will lead one to be blessed financially. Or some may think that when you follow Christ, there are no struggles and there are no pain and there are no sickness. And some may think that you can enjoy health and wealth when you follow Christ. In this psalm, the psalmist refutes the prosperity concept of our faith. And he says that our solution is only found in him. So he asked the question, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? I am in desperate need of some help. I don't know the direction I'm going. Where do I get this help from? In those days, the hills are the places of idolatry and false religion. So psalmist refused to look to gods of false religion. Psalmist says that the real source of help comes from the Lord Almighty only, the maker of heaven and earth. It comes from the creator, not the creation. You ask, how does it apply to us, pastor? Many people expect that their problem is based around what they are experiencing. You might have thought, if only I can find a good husband or a wife, my problem is solved. You may think that if I had a different husband or a different wife, my problem would be solved. Or you might think that if God can change him or her, my problem would be solved. Or if I could get a new job, my problem will be solved. Or if I move away from home and secure a place in a different place, my problem will be solved. If only I get healed, my problem will be solved. Church, all of these things are secondary. They are secondary. Our real help comes from heaven. It comes from our God. Our eyes must be looking up to him. So as a pastor, I fail in my duty, church, when I'm not able to direct your eyes or my congregation to the Lord. Many times, their eyes are on the pastor or the elder, what, or what good thing that I, I can do so I can get over this problem. Pastor can solve the problem or the elder can solve the problem. That is the misconception of the congregation. We the pastors, the elders, are only to guide them to look to the Lord. Our job is to strengthen them in the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this, The preacher's work is to throw sinners down in utter helplessness that they may be compelled to look up to him who alone can help them. So next time, before you come for counseling, be prepared for this. Because that's what Charles Spurgeon says, throw sinners down in utter helplessness. Hear me out, church. When David was hiding in the wilderness, running, running for, from Saul, who was seeking to kill him, 
Jonathan did something. Look at what Jonathan did. Saul's son. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, went to David in the woods, and what? Strengthened his hand in God. Strengthened his hand in God. The text does not say that Jonathan gave David his support and strength. The text says Jonathan strengthens David's hand in God. In other words, Jonathan was telling David, there is nothing I can do, but there is something someone can do. Look to him, the maker of heaven and earth. He will set you free. So leaders can let you down, pastors can let you down, but God will never, ever let you down. So the problem is we all acknowledge the existence of God because we talk about that, but we don't really appropriate the attributes of God in our own lives. We don't do that. We can talk about God, but when the problem hits, we don't really focus on the attributes of God and call upon Him. See what the Isaiah talk about this God, the creator of the universe. Listen to me, O house of God, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth. Think about this, church. From birth, the Lord is upholding us. And then he says, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, saying that I have not changed. Is that comforting to us? He has not changed. And then he says, even to gray hairs, I will do what? Carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and I will deliver you. What a mighty God we serve. What else do we need? A promise by your creator. He says he'll uphold you from birth, he'll carry you to your old age. He says, I will deliver you. So in times of troubles, no wonder the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So my job as a pastor is to point you to God. I fail in my responsibility when I fail to direct your eyes in the, to the Lord and not on, it should not be on me. When you, listen church, when you refuse to listen to the counsel given and over and over again you are drifting away, you are being enticed by the devil and the end is eternal condemnation. If you are not going to listen when the counsel is given, and when, they, when the pastors or the elders are calling upon you and say, look up to the Lord, you are not doing that. The end is eternal condemnation. Don't blame God at that time. If you do not want to listen to the counsel of the pastors, no effort would protect you. Paul describes it so beautifully in his epistles to the saints in Ephesus. Read, look at this place. Now to him who is able, talking about what God can do. 
He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Last night I had this SOS call from our dear brother Roy. And he called me. His son was stopped breathing and his body turned blue and, and he said, Pastor, I'm rushing him to the hospital. He called 911. There was no response. They said, there are no ambulance available to pick him up from home. He had to take his child in his own vehicle to the hospital. But he called me and this is what he said. Pastor, pray for me and for my family. Pray. He didn't ask me to come. He said, pray. His eyes were looking up to the maker of heaven and earth. Cry out. That's the promise that we see here in this passage of scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What a promise. What a mighty God that we serve, church. Look up to him as the only source of help. So we looked at the source of help, and we said, uh, as we journey into 2023, our confidence must be because of the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord Almighty, the God of the Bible, is our God. Is it comforting to know that? That's our God. We can cry up to Him. That's the source of our hope. Secondly, let's look at the scope as we go through that, the, the scope of our hope, as we look at verses 3 to 6, in what areas would the Lord help us? There are three groups of people, and I'm sure you will fit into one of these categories. Let's look at verse number 3. He will not let your foot be removed, be moved, I'm sorry. I'm reading from New King James Version, but you look at NIV, what does that mean? He will not let your foot slip. So it means that God will help those who slip. Isn't that? Those who backslide. Those who backslide. You ask the question, Pastor, why do we backslide? Or better ask, how do you backslide? You know, the most painful thing for a pastor is when you see the very ones that you have baptized when they backslide. It's like you are losing your child. It hurts you. There are several reasons why someone can backslide, and let me quickly give you just three reasons. Number one is that if there is little compromises in our lives. Solomon compromised with God's ways because of convenience he decided to give in to his I don't know how many wives I don't know how he handled them but he gave in to these idolatrous practices for personal and political peace and advantage and at the end this is what Solomon said there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death Solomon said that once we compromise, the process of sin has begun and its ultimate end is death. So here's my question. 
in what areas of sinful desires that you have been compromising in 2022. You know what, church? We can pretend and we can put up a big show in the presence of others. But in our own private closet, the Spirit of the Lord would convict us where we are going wrong. So my question is, in what areas of sinful desires that you have been compromising in 2022? Bring it to the Lord. He has promised not to let your foot slip. Decide today. Be alert. Rebuke your temptation. The second reason that someone backslides is because when you neglect the local church, when you neglect it, you can always come up with excuses and reasons why you cannot attend the local church and its activities. You can always. But let me ask you a question, church. You are seated here, and all of a sudden you have a severe chest pain, and you, are, you, you, you assume that you, are, you, you, are, you, you feel that you are getting a cardiac arrest. Are you going to say, it's okay, let me have some fun with my friends? You are going to drop everything and rush to the hospital, won't you? Because that is where you know the solution is going to be. But what we fail, church, is that when we miss these opportunities of coming together, and when we don't have that burden to come together, and you neglect the local church, you are slipping away from God. Because the solution is found in Christ. And when we are together, we are helping each other to grow. And we are praying for each other. Yesterday, I made one email. Church families, you all prayed for them, isn't it? Yes. We are upholding each other. We are sustaining each other. That life is very important for us. That's why the scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given unto you. And the third reason why you can backslide church is that when you fight temptation, then fleeing from temptation. You flirt with temptation. David did that on the roof, on the top of his roof. And you know how, how he ended up. And look at Joseph, how he reacted to temptation. He ran away from temptation. David was flirting with temptation. You slip. You backslide. The psalmist assures us in this verse that he will not let your foot slip. When you seek him, he is able to keep you from falling. If you are backsliding, if you have been backsliding, please return to him. Here's the passage that will encourage you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Not only that, see what the Lord will do. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He will keep you from stumbling. So the first category that we looked at, church, is... I'm sorry. The first category of the scope is those who sleep. Now let's look at the second one, verse number 3 to 4. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. What does that mean? That means that God helps those who are weary. Let me explain this to you. 
The word slumber means a light state of sleep. And I can clearly from here can see some of those in this sanctuary. Because maybe because of the time of the day. But he who keeps you will not slumber means that our God is awake and active. He doesn't doze off. That's what it means. See how prophet Isaiah says about God in here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And then he goes on to explain because it's beyond human ability to comprehend this, he says, and this understanding no one can fathom. Wonder how this possible, Isaiah says, that no one can fathom this. I know that when we travel long distance, especially, no matter where we are going, what time of the day is, as soon as I start, start driving, God bless my wife, she will be fall, she'll be half asleep. So I'm here, I'm talking, I'm driving, looking at the eyes are closed. I know the rapture has not happened, so she's still alive. Why? Because she knows that her husband, who loves her so dearly, is awake. Imagine both of us falling asleep. But I am just a mere human. But the Bible says that he doesn't sleep. He is awake. He is looking at us. Aren't you glad that's our God? When you are weary, when you are tired, when you want to fall asleep, He is looking at you. So you ask, Pastor, when do I become weary? You become weary because of disappointments in your family, in your friends. Because of discouragements, you become weary. Some failures in your life can cause you weary. Or dissension, if there are conflicts in the, within others, they can make you weary. Or deception, if you are being deceived, it can make you weary. But God is faithful. And if this doesn't encourage you, look at what we find in 2 Chronicles, chapter 16. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen whom? Those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. You know, there are times when I'm driving, I have fun with God. I think about this passage and I'm saying, God, you're looking at me right now. I always say, make sure you look at these guys who are running all these wrong directions in the roads. But you know, isn't that wonderful to know that his eyes are on us? He's not weary. He's alert. He does not slumber. What a mighty God we serve. He's watching us to strengthen when we are weary. So in the scope of help, we are looking at those who sleep and those who are weary. And the, and the last one he says in verses 5 to 6, he says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. What does that mean? Now there is a change of imagery as you look at it, from a walk to warfare now. From marching to fighting now. Paul clearly articulated his epistle in his epistles to Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual warfare. Then he goes on to say, therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand so I just want you to understand, as you enter into 2023, it's a warfare. 
It's a warfare. Never expect to sail smoothly. The psalmist is very clear about that. But here's what the Lord has promised. He is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. What does that mean when he says shade at your right hand? In ancient times, church, look at this picture. The warriors carried two items into battle. One was a sword and the other one is a shield. The shield was carried by the left hand, as you can see, and the sword in the right. So when you go like this for the, for the war, the right side was vulnerable for attack, isn't it? Because you don't defend by your right side. Since there was no shield of protection there, the psalmist is telling us God takes up a deliberate defensive position to protect us where we are most vulnerable. Where we are most vulnerable. He protects us from the enemies. We never know from which directions the enemy will come in 2023. I'm sure that when we entered into 2022, there are many things that we didn't expect. But the enemy came in. Enemy's attack can be in areas of our vulnerability. Elijah is renowned for his courage, yet he fled from the woman Jezebel. Moses' great strength was his meekness, yet in anger he smote the rock and was forbidden to enter the promised land. Abraham's greatest strength was his faith in the Lord, yet he went into Egypt in pure disbelief. What am I saying here, church? We may think that we have control over our lives. Many of us. But Apostle Paul warns us here. Look at this verse. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he does not fall. If you think I know it all, if you think that I have taken control, watch out that you don't fall. We'll be attacked. We never know where the attack will come, but it never catches God off guard. He's always ready to shield us and protect us from our enemies. Then the psalmist goes on to say in verse number 6, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Interesting. Psalmist speaks of two possible sources of harm that were common to the ancient soldier. The sun and the moon. That's what he's talking about here. One is external, the sun. The, the intense heat on their desert journey would bring about sunstroke. The body become overheated and shut down and the condition could be fatal for them. The Hebrew word for strike means to smite or to strike as with a rod or staff or with a, with a plague or pestilence and then to kill and to slay. That's what the Hebrew word means. A good example in 2022 is COVID-19, isn't it? Isn't it? External. The flu, the influenza, the surrounding environment, the politics, the culture, the religious opposition, and the list can go on. We don't know what would come in 2023. But the Lord would protect us when we place our faith in Him. It means that God will guard us from the attack of our enemies from outside. When the heat is on, he'll be there to shield us and guard us. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. 
That's what prophet, uh, that's what you see in Deuteronomy. The psalmist says, not only the sun will not strike you by day, nor, nor the moon by night. What does that mean? Dealing with the matters that do not affect the body. It affects what affects your mind. Now, in ancient times, mental illness was thought to be caused by moon. You heard about that, right? The word lunatic, to refer to someone who has mental disturbances, the word lunatic has originated from the word lunar, which means moon. Which means moon. So when our minds are under attack and filled with fears and doubts, he'll be there to protect us and give us peace. That's what Apostle Paul says so beautifully. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, he says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And what do you get? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So we looked at church, so far we looked at the scope of our, of our the source of our help, which is the God Almighty, the God of the Bible, and then we looked at the scope of our help, which is for those who slip, those who backslide, for those who are weary or slumber, or those who struggle, God is there to help us. And last, we go into verse number seven, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He will preserve you. He shall preserve your soul. What does that mean? God will preserve us from the evil that exists within us and around us. That's what this means. In this verse, we are going to look at the strength, strength of our hope. Our flesh is evil. We all know that. The flesh is not redeemed and it's much like a volcano. At any moment, the sin that is pent up in us can burst forth and commit any sin unimaginable. Church, David is a good example. A great example. He would never have thought that he would fall into that kind of temptation. Paul addresses himself about the evil that exists within, within us. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do what the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. How many of you can echo that? I can echo that. I can echo with that. There are times that you want to do something good you can't do, but you do the things that you don't want to do or you should not be doing. So you ask, Pastor, how can I overcome this evil? The answer lies in the Holy Spirit that we have within. When we are saved, church, if you are a saved believer, the Spirit of the Lord is deposited in us. He moved in. When He comes, He comes with all the resources necessary to overcome the temptation and to say no to sin. The scripture is very clear. Paul writes again, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. If you can truly, as we are a believer, and if you can truly give heed to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, 
you can overcome temptation. But many times we are like David. We love to flirt with sin. The Lord will help us overcome the inward evil in this life if we want victory. I want you to notice this promise from Jude, 20, Jude verse 24. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. He can keep you from falling. So we looked at the evil around us, but there is evil, sorry, within us, there is evil around us. The Bible says there is a very real devil who wants to fail you. And Peter writes it so clearly. He says, be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. Thankfully, there is help from the Lord. That is what I spoke about earlier. I would strongly encourage you as you get into 2023, every day in the morning, may this be your prayer. And ask the Lord to put on, help you put on the full armor of God. Because there is someone out there looking to devour somebody. And that somebody can be you. Make this prayer and say, God, help me. Help me to overcome that. The secret is found in submitting to God. Resist the devil. And the last verse that we see in this passage is this. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What do we take from this church? He protects us regardless of the direction of the journey. Wherever you are, whether you are coming in or you are going out. Sometimes we are coming in. We are living close and we feel secure in our walk with Him. And other times we are going out. We are not as close as we should be. Whether we are in or out, He is always faithful. That's what He says to keep us for himself. You know, when David wrote that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that word paths simply means an orbit. So in other words, like the planets are kept in the gravitational pull of the sun, the saints are kept in the gravitational pull of the Almighty. All of us. That's the promise of God. The weeping prophet Jeremiah wrote this. Look at this. As we enter into 2023, I want you to take this verse. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We have failed many times. We don't deserve this. But because of His great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We will fail him, but he will never. This is how he keeps us as we go out and come in. So as I bring this message to a close, church, as we enter into 2023, the source of our hope is the Lord Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Be thankful that He is our God, the God of the Bible. Isn't that wonderful? You can only claim Him when you become a child of God. If you are not a child of God, 
it means nothing. It's just a head knowledge. It doesn't mean anything to you. So I want to encourage you that if you have not committed your life to the Lord, and if you want to claim this God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth as your own God, do not enter into 2023. Or do not leave the sanctuary today without finding out how to become a child of God. Talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to one of the pastors. We can help you out. So that's the first thing that the psalmist says. The second thing the psalmist says is the scope of our help. Because many of us, we may be believers, but we will slip in the year 2023. We will slumber in the year 2023. We will struggle in the year 2023. But He will help us. And not only that, it says, He is the strength of our hope is that we are preserved from evil. No matter what happens, we are preserved from evil. And we are preserved for eternity. For eternity. So I'm going to ask all of you, please, if you may stand for a minute. I got this from someone this morning. I thought I want to just put this up as for something for you to take home with. It says, I trust the next chapter because I know the author. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? I trust the next chapter because I know the author. Church, the author, the next chapter of 2023, you can trust it because we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. He is the author. Shall we commit our life to him, please? Father, we thank you for this, morning, this evening. As we bring, bring to close this 2022, while we thank you for this beautiful year, we pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name, as we have learned today, as the psalmist has spoken to us, that let us understand, O oh God, that you are, you are the source of our hope. The Lord Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the Yahweh, the great I am, the God of the Bible. And we pray that you are, the scope of our hope is that you will help those who slip. You will help those who slumber. You will help those who, those who struggle. So as we go into 2023, no matter what the circumstances are, the source of help is you. And that we thank you because we are preserved from all evil. And we thank you we are preserved for eternity. So we pray in Jesus' name. With these promises that we have, help us to enter into 2023 with the confidence and the courage. And that is only can be drawn from the maker of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.